Blog Talk Radio. Party Internet Radio is a part of the Be the Media Project. For a complete list of the Coffee Party Radio Network shows, go to www.coffeepartyusa.com and click on, guess what, radio shows. Consider joining our team, Be the Media. Well, because the Coffee Party strategy includes using our social media presence to alert our members and our supporters to events and actions, I start each broadcast with a little segment called, guess what, Power to the People. If you'd like to promote actions in your community, you can contact me directly by leaving a message on the Lunch with Loudon Facebook page, or you can call into a broadcast. For example, if you have something to promote today, Call 646-929-2495 and press 1 to be put in the host queue. And when you call in, remember, we operate under the civility pledge. So for those of us who need a refresher, here it is. I'll read it. As a member or supporter of a coffee, pledge to conduct myself in a way that is civil, honest, and respectful towards people with whom I disagree. I value people from different cultures. I value people with different ideas, and I value and cherish the democratic process. So here it comes, this week on Power to the People. July 19th through the 21st, that means, yes, it started yesterday, the American Legislative Exchange Council, also called ALEC, annual meeting is occurring in Denver, Colorado. Do what you will with this information but I would love to interview anyone who attends this meeting. This is the birthplace of everything I consider contrary to we the people. Um, Interesting things like voter ID, the new voter ID rules come from this group. So um, please, if you attend or you know someone who's attend, encourage them to get a hold of me. I would love to do an on-air interview. July 22nd. March for Public Education is being held in D.C. and across the country. You can check the Facebook page called March for Public Education and click on Events. July 24th, Millions March for Medicare for All. It's a rally happening in the District of Columbia and cities across America. You can check the Facebook page at March for Medicare. So heads up, some of the marches are scheduled for Saturday or Sunday rather than Monday the 24th. So be sure and check on times and dates near you. Um, There's quite a few uh, groups that will be out on Monday, I mean on Saturday or Sunday. And today I received a call for financial support from organizers of the march. So if you're interested in donating, you can check the website at www 
millionsmarchingformedicare.org. July 29th, National Rally for Healthcare. Check them out on Facebook. August 24th to 27th, I realize this is a reach out, but the Coffee Party Board of Directors is holding its annual meeting this year in Oregon. Yay! (laughs) For the first time, I'm not traveling. Um, So Coffee Party members should keep uh, your eyes open for an email asking for your opinion on things that will be up for consideration in front of the board. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. Thanks. So when in doubt check out the Resist event list. Um, It's the most comprehensive event event list I have ever seen. I think I went there today. I think there's at least a dozen events today and even more over the weekend, obviously. You find it at www.resistandprotest.com slash event dash list. And you can keep checking the Lentil Flowden Facebook page for events and actions. As I find them, I post them. You might need to scroll because there are quite a few. Um, But for sure, um, see what it is you could do to participate. Because here I am, week after week, encouraging you to do whatever you can. And that is the perfect segue to our guest today. May I introduce to you Rio Taswell. He's a coalition organizer, campaign manager at People for the American Way. Uh, He's helped launch startups focused on civic engagement, sustainability, and grassroots advocacy. He's also a political hip-hop artist, and if I've done things right, we'll have a treat. We'll be able to play something not yet released, so you guys will be in on the first. So I've invited Rio to discuss the state of the resistance and ways to engage people, particularly young people, in advocating for progressive change. So no conversation about change these days would be complete without discussing how money and politics is corroding our political system and what we can do about it. But let's see where this conversation goes. Rio, welcome, welcome to Lunch with Loudon. Great. Thank you, Janine. It's great to um, be here with you. I appreciate it. Oh, and I appreciate it. I know we uh, got together, what, maybe a year ago, and we had a wonderful conversation. So, um, and I'm dying to hear um, what you see happening or how, the, the health of the resistance, the health of the resistance. How does, how does that feel to you today? Well, it feels really strong. I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, as you well know, and, you know, as your listeners, I'm sure, are aware, it sounds like you, you know, go over a list of events every week. I mean, there's just an incredible amount of, of activism that um, that's happening all around the country. So I would say the resistance is doing a great job in terms of playing uh, defense against um, these really atrocious and, and dangerous policies that are being pushed by uh, Trump and the Republican Party. Um, and I think a lot of organizations are, are recognizing, uh, you know, a, a heightened uh, level of, of interest and engagement from their existing members. Uh, I think that's certainly true for us here at People for the American Way, but also um, 
uh, a large amount of, of of incoming new members that are that are looking to get involved with uh, progressive organizations that are that are advocating for real reforms and and pushing back against the uh, the assault on you know so many things that we hold dear in this country um, that we're seeing coming out of this current administration. So I would say the um, the resistance is strong. But uh, but we need to you know continue to cultivate it and and hopefully pivot that into going on the offense and ultimately uh, winning some elections and winning reforms um, legislatively and, and and ballot initiatives and the various means that we have to to enact change. I think that your point about pivoting to the offense is brilliant. Um, and But before we move to that, I want to say one of the things I notice about the health of the resistance is some of us are tired. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, who knew? You know, who knew this would be so intense? You know, and so we've been talking a lot on this show about uh, activist self-care, you know, taking a media-free Sunday or you just went on vacation and I'm pretty sure you were disconnected <clears throat> from all of this. So, so on the one hand, we want to be fully engaged, and on the other, we want to respect that this really is the long, we really are in this for the long haul, and we need to support one another in when we need to take that take that breather, and then come back up for air. I uh, I can't tell you how many rally signs I have. I have so many rally signs that I now am covering the windows of my house so people can see them because you know you spend all this time. And then you go to the rally, you come home, what do you do with your son? And um, I, I see you on Facebook attending many, many, many activities in D.C. Um, I don't see you with rally signs, however. I see you at the podium speaking. And uh, I wondered if you'd like to share with our listeners any of the things that you've been up to or that the people for the American Way have been up to. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's, you know, an incredible amount happening here in D.C. Um, you know, clearly any day of the week there's, uh, you know, different protests that different organizations are are leading and People for the American Way has been um, involved in, in many of them. And I do attend often as just a participant, but um, I, I am occasionally invited to come and speak and represent um, People for the American Way. Um, a lot of those events lately have been – focused on, you know, uncovering the truth when it comes to Trump and his relationship with Vladimir Putin in Russia. And we've been involved in a number of fairly high-profile events where members of Congress come and speak uh, with, you know, um, progressive organizations and uh, grassroots activists all, all coming together to uh to kind of shine a light on the insanity of what we're seeing right now um and demand some accountability so you know after um uh Jim uh, Comey was fired we you know had a huge um you know rapid response strategy to really you know elevate um the uh you know the insanity of of what had just happened and make sure that he just didn't get away with it um so we had a big rapid response rally down uh, at the White House, um, there has been several other, you know, similar types of events since then, demanding uh, an independent commission uh, to be set up by Congress 
to uh, to look at the full extent of the connections between Trump and Russia because it's so multifaceted, you know. Um, like the it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that um, Russian intelligence, you know, hacked the DNC, you know, um, meddled in our election, but. Um, there's also, you know, the financial entanglements that Trump personally has with uh, with Russian banks and oligarchs um, that need to be looked at. And then his personal relationship that he has with folks um, over in Russia needs to be looked at. And then it's also his family, too. I mean, his daughter, his son-in-law, you know, have their own conflicts of interest and then members of his uh, cabinet have their own conflicts of interest. So there's just so many layers to it. We've um, been, you know, uh, a part of many events uh, demanding that an independent commission to be uh, set up to look at all of these different things, uh, to to look at these things in conjunction with the special prosecutor that we have now. So, like, we do have Bob Mueller, you know, that's been appointed um, to to look into a lot of these things, and we are. Um, you know, cautiously uh, optimistic that he's going to get to the bottom of it. We do think he's asking the right questions. Um, he's he's the perfect person for the job. Um, but at the end of the day, he can still be fired um, by the president. And it remains unclear whether that will actually happen, whether Trump would actually go that far in doing that. But um, his track record suggests that he might. And um and that's why it's important to also have an independent commission uh to to you know be looking for answers into these questions so we've been we've been really involved to a great extent in this you know unfolding drama that is you know the relationship uh between the Trump administration and Russia and and what that what that means for our uh for our democracy moving forward but um but we've been involved in in all the big rallies we were involved in in the women's march you know immediately following uh, inauguration I was there it was I mean so powerful um to to witness that and participate in that uh, and then there's um also been the tax march um demanding that Donald Trump release his tax returns. There was the science march, uh, the people's climate march. Um, and we've had a presence at, at all of these um, these mass mobilizations because, you know, a lot of this work is very intersectional, and we recognize that, you know, um, we need to build relationships with a broad spectrum of organizations working on a broad spectrum of issues in order to, you know, make progress um, on anything. Uh, we need to look at everything. So, yeah, we try to be supportive of, of um, all the great progressive work that's happening, and, uh, and that involves going to a lot of rallies and occasionally speaking at them. So I, I feel very fortunate and grateful to be able to to participate in that way. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, maybe you remember that you and I were both in Washington, D.C. for the Women's March. And before right. the march, I was thinking, oh, we can, we can get together, you know, and, and once once that day happened, my daughter was in town and I couldn't even connect with her. The phones were down. The texting was down. There were, you know, a million marchers. And it was like uh, trying to connect with people that you weren't actually staying with was crazy. As a matter of fact, I tried to broadcast. Uh, I, you know, I did my broadcast from Washington, D.C. that day, and it was very difficult Um I couldn't have incoming callers, and I, I mean, it was just crazy because the whole net was collapsed 
with the the volume of people in the city, and uh, that was crazy. But wasn't that wonderful? Uh, it was incredible. It just yeah. made my heart sing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and the message. If there's not, if there's no other message from that day, it was. All of you people everywhere across America, you are not alone. Lots and lots of people share your many varied concerns. And it was very empowering to be there and to sort of see, you know, there was a sign about everything imaginable. You know what I'm saying? It was all just wonderful. So, and, and that's the spirit that we're, we're tapping here. But I wonder, right. and, and so... I guess it relates to the health of the um, the resistance, but also to the courage of Americans. You know, are we, uh, as Americans, do we have the courage to do something we have never done before? Because I here's my concern, fear, whatever, is that in the end we will find that this election was so tainted that it will be difficult to maintain as a valid election. Right. And if that's true, then what does one do? You can under-reprimand. You could impeach. You could, you know what I mean? There's things you could do. But um, the appropriate, taking actual appropriate measures may be things we've only, you know, the, the framers of the Constitution may only have feared. You know what I'm saying? And, um the, what it will take, I think, to be that brave and that courageous and do that thing, like recall an election, you know, do a do-over. Do, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the right way. But is, is to maintain faith in the face of this denigrating criticism, but also to find a way to welcome people that they – that the – the spinners want to call the other side, but to welcome people as they, who maybe supported Mr. Trump, when they see through the smoke and mirrors and when the facts are presented, how do we help them have the courage to do that, un, that thing that's never been done before? Yeah, no, I think that's an incredibly important question and a, and a really good way to kind of think about the problem. Um, because, I mean, we are in uncharted territory, and we do need to be thinking about, you know, what is the appropriate response here, and impeachment might not even be enough. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to, to really grapple with um, the magnitude of what's happened and, and what we're seeing now. And, um, and I do think we need to, you know, be thoughtful of um, how to work with those – that did and do support Donald Trump because, you know, not all of his supporters are, are um, xenophobic, racist, and, and motivated and sexist and motivated by these things. Um, there is that contingent, and that is that is um, painfully uh, clear. But um, there are a lot of people that, that supported him because they're fed up with uh, the status quo. And they feel that, you know, the rich and powerful are able to manipulate government uh, to their own benefit and uh, and basically shut everyone else uh, out from the process. 
And they're right, you know, to to some extent, to a great extent. And uh, I think they were sold a, a, a false bill of goods in voting for Donald Trump. I mean, he came in and said, you know, I can't be bought. I'm already a billionaire. I'm so rich. You know, I don't need the special interest money. You know, vote for me. I'll, I'll you know, drain the swamp. Um, and a lot of people fell for that. And I think a lot of people wanted to believe that, that he would do that. And um, uh, there's there's a, uh, a great number of people that have already come to see that that is um, not the case. But, uh, you know, not enough of them. He still has, you know, a, 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 a surprising amount of support still. But I think a lot of those people have blinders on, you know, like they, they want to believe that he is still their savior and that he's going to come in and then clean up their corruption and they're, and they're, and they're willfully ignorant and ignoring the overwhelming amount of evidence that shows that he's actually, you know, going uh, completely against uh, so many of the things that he said he was going to do in terms of cleaning up the corruption in Washington. I mean, he is doing exactly uh, some of the things that he was going to do in terms of like, you know, uh, marginalizing um, you know, immigrants and and really kind of being a bully, um, but in terms of you know coming in and, and trying to you know make the 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 government work for for everyday people, he's going completely in the opposite direction by basically handing the keys over to the corporate lobbyists uh, more so than you know has been done previously. He's really completely wholesale, just giving private interests. Uh, the ability to write the regulations to their own benefit, and uh, and in order to you know um, win real reforms and take this country in a more progressive direction, we need to be able to talk to the people that supported him um, on on that you know set of, on those set of issues you know, and uh, we need to be able to uh, you know rally around uh, reforms that can prevent, you know, a demagogue from coming in and having that kind of message in the future and uh, and start electing folks that actually do want to clean up the, the culture of corruption that exists, not just in Washington, but in state capitals. I mean, it's such a pervasive problem of special interest money, um, you know, really eroding the fabric of our democracy. But uh, how we get there, you know, it's really unclear. It's like, you're right, you know, impeachment might not be enough, even if we do get Trump out of office. You know, Pence is, is still horrible. And really, I mean, you know, this is my personal view. I, I think it's probably shared by you and many others that, that the entire administration is um, illegitimate because of what seems to have happened in this last election. And where does that leave us? Is it a recall? I don't know. Um, I haven't gotten a clear answer. I have these conversations occasionally with with other folks, um, and there there's there's no consensus about what would happen. We're definitely in uncharted territory. Um, but uh, the, I think the bigger, the 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 more long term and meta problem that we're seeing right now is that there's, you know, uh, a huge cultural divide in this country between people on the right and people on the left and people in urban areas and more rural areas and and you know, Trump was keenly aware of that and was able to exploit it to his benefit and uh, and continues to do that to to a really great extent and. Um, as long as we see, you know, each other as separate and, and other and like, um, you know, right versus left and liberal versus conservative, then uh, we're going to continue to, to you know, not be able to mobilize the type of support that we need to, to pass, you know, 
truly, um, you know, systemic uh, reforms that can, you know, really solve a lot of the problems that we're seeing. So yeah, it's a multi multifaceted problem and, and a multifaceted solution. But um, it's yeah, it's it's unclear as to, you know, how exactly we deal with this raging inferno that we're seeing right now. That is the Trump administration, and move on to kind of building a democracy that is truly uh, representative of uh, of people. Well, you know, I didn't I didn't think we'd talk very long before we get into money and politics and here we are because I think the irony of the whole thing we're calling a cultural divide right now is not that we uh disagree on the on our that it's possible for government to not be for the people. I think people all over the political spectrum actually fear that. I think one of the big differences is people on the more progressive end of the spectrum have pinpointed at least what we believe to be the problem, which was, you know, as soon as money becomes more important, when campaign contributions become more important than votes, uh, the people are like, (laughs) you know, we're we're out of the picture. It's no coincidence that Coffee Party was born the week after the Citizens United decision. It is totally because of this kind of corruption and uh, abomination, frankly, of what we believe to be congressional or constitutional intent, you know, to give corporations, including multinational corporations, including corporations that are held in significant measure by foreign interests, to have not only the rights of a citizen in terms of political speech, but to have unlimited political financial speech rights. And, um, man, that has certainly turned the tables on all of us because when we, we used to be able to at least try to have a conversation about, hey, doesn't it make sense what that person supports given who supports his campaign? And now it is so ubiquitous, the foreign money, the corporate money, the dark money, the personal wealth kind of money has so, it's like frosting on the cake. And if you're, you know, you you can't see outside of it. And so to me, it's the ultimate irony that all of us fear this, but we don't all agree on how this happened. And I think you and I are on the side of get the money out of politics and we'll have some clarity here. And, you know, to, which is why I believe the misinformation campaign that's both aimed at the right and at the left, it, to all of the spectrum, the political spectrum, is so important because it keeps us from seeing that problem. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, money has um, really saturated the entire political process to the point that you know, um, people think that it's a given, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are so, uh, fed up and frustrated, um, with the political process because they feel like it's irredeemable and that, you know, unless you're a millionaire or billionaire, that you really don't have any leverage. You really don't have any capacity to, to affect change. And then, you know, People don't feel motivated to participate. Maybe they don't even turn out and vote. And, you know, we see that in this country. We have a very low voter turnout 
for for being such a developed democracy and i think that you know speaks to people's disillusionment with uh the system and i think the root of that disillusionment whether people are aware of it or not and i think a lot of people are aware of it is the outsized influence of of money in politics and um and it manifests itself in in so many ways i mean there's the um the so-called you know wealth primary where the only people that are even getting on the ballot are, are folks that can raise a certain amount of money and be considered competitive competitive enough to uh, to even become a you know quote unquote viable candidate. Um, to you know the amount of people or the amount of time that uh, elected officials spend raising money once they're in office after they get elected, you know it's it's uh, unbelievable how much time goes into fundraising. Um, on every level of office, but particularly in Congress, you know, it's estimated that members of Congress spend half of their time, maybe even more, you know, raising money. That's insane. I mean, those hours should be spent legislating. I mean, that's what they're sent there to do. But it's it's just it's so um, uh, commonplace that it's uh, it's unquestioned in a lot of circles. People just know that in order to be competitive in politics. You need to be able to raise money, and it's just such uh, a part of the culture that it um, it turns away a lot of people that would otherwise want to be involved with public service. Because I mean, that's what politics is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about being a public servant. Um, and a lot of people that are, you know would otherwise love to do that are completely turned off by it because of the special interest aspect to it of catering to wealthy special interests in order to become a viable candidate. And it's just um, you know it's 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 really it's terrible. I mean it's it's shameful and sad on so many levels. Uh, partly you know the fact that. <laughs> we have huge problems in this country that continue to go unaddressed because, you know, legislators often have their hands tied by, you know, the conflicts of interest that they have, like trying to appease their their, their donors, um, who are sometimes large corporations that, that do want or don't want certain things done on certain issues, uh, with the constituents, the people that, that often, in a stand to, to lose, by inaction on on any number of issues, whether it's raising the minimum wage or you know reforming um, the criminal justice system or uh, you know addressing climate change, uh, or really the, I mean the list goes on and on. There's there's so many critically important issues that affect millions, hundreds of millions. Um, I mean the entire country really uh, of people, um, and. It, it, we're we're incapable of of uh, effectively of solving these problems because our, our our political system and our politicians are so sidetracked and uh, and bought into literally this uh, this big money um, you know political game and uh, and it's yeah it's 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 a self uh, perpetuating problem in that you know more money in politics makes the problems worse. It also makes people less engaged because they feel more disillusioned. Um, but uh, one of the biggest things that Wait. that we've seen, uh, yeah, please jump in. Oh no, no, go ahead. You share, and I'll I'll oh, jump in when you're done. I was just gonna. 
I was just going to, yeah, pivot to the point that, like, a lot of people um, are, you know, unaware that there are real reforms that can be put in place to change how the political game is played. Um, And that, you know, uh, if we're able to focus on what can be done instead of, instead of how, you know, depressing the problem is, that we can actually get people more inspired and, and more engaged, which can, you know, lead to, you know, more reforms and more wins. Yes, yes, yes. So a couple of things came up um, when you were just speaking. One of them um, has to do with one of the best examples, I think, of what you were just describing in terms of the difficulty of getting together people to discuss important things like climate change or whatever. A great example of that is right now with the healthcare system. And I have mm-hmm. spent the last at least two months with, um in every capacity I have, whether it's on the radio, whether it's posting to Facebook, whether it's tweeting, whether it's, you know, it, it, just talking to people saying this is a tax cut in health care clothing. This is not about health care. This is about all those donors, those campaign donors, the only thing campaign promised they're keeping with this, with this repeal thing is that 3.8 tax on investment profit (laughs) and a 0.9 or is it a 0.09 tax on employers? Uh, Because if you repeal, those taxes are gone, and that's billions of dollars. And so, of course, any healthcare system is going to fail as long as you do that. But uh, so, you know, we keep calling it healthcare, but it's not healthcare. We keep saying we're keeping a campaign promise, but we're not saying who we're keeping a campaign promise to. And, right. and I just – the sophistication of the false leads in this conversation, the, the drama that is uh, generated to try to keep people from being able to see through this stuff is amazing to me, and it's mean. It's just mean. Why should – the average person have to why should any person why should you why should you and I have to spend our time wading through the peanut butter of drama when you know the facts are there but there uh, there's a huge investment in them not surfacing you know uh, the the photo we used today to promote the show was you standing with a sign that says you know we want the truth just the truth it should not be this hard and even the notion this is sort of my second point even the notion that voter turnout is affected by um, disenfranchisement or more like uh, discouragement right every state okay so I live in Oregon if you have a driver's license or if you get a state ID you are registered to vote we vote by mail. If you don't have your ballot three weeks before the election, you can go to the county courthouse and find out why. Actually, you can call them, and they will tell you why you don't have a ballot. And if you can solve that problem, whatever it may be, you get a ballot. And, and you can either mail it back or you can drive it to the library. Like there's hundreds of places you can drop off ballots. And in states like Oregon, 65% participation is 
the low end of normal, right? You have a presidential election, much higher. You see what I'm saying? And so uh, I think we talked about Alec and they're having their um, annual meeting in Denver right now. Those guys came up with the invention, oh, we're afraid of voter fraud, therefore we're going to toughen up our voter registration things. And yet the secretaries of state have been taking on this problem successfully for a long time. They are old hats at managing their list. So this whole voter purge thing that's been going on and the show me ID that you have no reason to have is going on and all these things are not, I mean, they're intended to discourage for sure, but they are designed and executed strategies to reduce participation by making it difficult, by making it expensive, and by making it, mm, I want to say, unjust. You know what I mean? Like I had a friend in the Detroit area. She shows up to vote. She has lived in the same house for 25 years. She changed her name 25 years ago. She votes in just about every election, and she gets to the same polling place she's gone to for 25 years, and she's not on the rolls. How does that happen? That's, you know, I know. So it's not just, you know, uh, people in the ghetto. It's not just people uh, of... Of, of uh, it's not just young people. I mean, I keep trying to think of all the people they try to tell us are the ones who are not voting and why. I don't believe any of that because all my empirical data said, no, the harder you make it to vote, the fewer people will come or will be successful. They might come, but they're not successful. So my friend's provisional ballot was never counted. And so, you know, I, I really think when it when you hone it down to um, our government being controlled by the people who finance politicians, therein lies our problem, and there will be our challenge when we have to face the ultimate um, question: How bad? How? How illegitimate does an election have to be before we will put our foot down and say whether I voted for this guy or not? This is unacceptable, and we must stop it now. And I believe it's just like you said, that whole cabinet should go, the vice president should go, the president should go. If indeed there is, through due process of laws outlined in the Constitution and following the laws of elections and all other things relevant, we should be prepared to assign the appropriate consequence, you know, and people, people, I'm a, you know, I'll be 66 next month. You know, I am a boomer and people are are hot to blame boomers for having raised, you know, having been the ultimate childish generation or some darn thing. But I'll tell you, (laughs) if I can't believe as a nation, we're not ready to protect our elections the way we would protect our children. That we're not, it will take something to make us ready to give the appropriate response to a bad act. And, you know, so there's my hope for the resistance that we can not only maintain our strength, we can grow our strength, and we can welcome into the fold people as they realize that the smoke and mirrors are just that, that the drama is fabricated, that the actual facts on the table are simple. And 
together have the courage to do this thing that we must do. End of rant. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with all of that, yeah. Yeah, um, and yeah, you mentioned a couple of things that uh, that kind of sparked some thoughts for me. Uh, I mean, on on the healthcare uh, front, you know, um, it's uh, it's really a case of of the Republican Party gaslighting the entire American people um, for yes, seven, eight years. Yes. They were, you know, demonizing so-called Obamacare um, as a government takeover of healthcare, and that. You know, it was a huge infringement on our freedoms, and that it was going to destroy jobs and and you know create death panels and just all this absurd rhetoric that is you know totally false and uh, extremely misleading. Um, and it got it whipped people up into a frenzy. They they you know were able to have a, a wave election in 2010, largely you know, because of their, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, lashing out uh, against the Affordable Care Act, it's kind of in reaction to it, um, and labeling it Obamacare, and, and it's basically scaring people, and they, um, they continued to, to beat that drum, you know, for the next seven years based on based on lies almost entirely based on lies and you know a, a lot of people didn't and don't really understand you know what the affordable care act did uh they just they just know that um there was a lot of people on the radio and, and television talking about how bad it was and that it would you know do terrible things to our economy and do terrible things to people's lives without any real grasp of of the details or the particulars and now what we're seeing you know is that the Republican party has assumed power um all three branches you know on the federal level and you know many state legislatures governorships they have a, an incredible amount of power and they're completely falling short on their so-called promise to repeal and replace Obamacare because they're realizing that it was actually very popular. A lot of the things that were insured um, through the Affordable Care Act are things that that people really believe in. You know, not denying people health care because of pre-existing conditions. You know, people are realizing that that's actually a very humane thing to do and that it's actually very inhumane to, to not do that. Um, you know, not not covering certain types of of, of care. You know, whether it's mental health health care, uh, you know, or um, preventative care. Um, you know, people are starting to see th- that health care is something that everyone really should have access to, and that it's not the same thing as just your run of the mill. You know. Um, a product, you know, it's it's, it's an essential aspect uh, of life, and when you try to t- take that away from people, you're gonna see a huge backlash. And you know, as we've seen over the past couple months, I mean, we've seen a huge public outcry and mobilization um, against the, the the Republican attempt to repeal and replace Obamacare. And uh, yeah, the Republicans have basically painted themselves into a corner. You know, they've been demonizing this bill that they, they labeled Obamacare for so long under false pretenses. Uh, but then, you know, when they get in power and the rubber meets the road, they realize that they don't have any better ideas. 
And the the real twist and what is I find um, you know very ironic is that you know uh, the individual mandate, which is really the backbone of the Affordable Care Act, is a Republican idea. And that, you know, it was first modeled by Mitt Romney in Massachusetts. It actually was conceived by the Heritage Foundation, you know, a right-wing think tank. So this was their plan the whole time. And they basically demonized it and attached it to Obama because they hated Obama. Uh, And they figured that they would be able to score cheap political points by um, basically, you know, uh, conducting a character assassination on, on, on on President Obama and the health care bill. But now that they that that worked for them, they they swept you know the next few elections, and now they're in power. But now they're realizing that that's that's about all it can do. You know, they they can't they can't ride that anymore. And then I think the the pendulum's gonna swing back in the other direction. And uh, I really hope that it that it leads towards you know Medicare for all, universal health care. I think that's what a lot of people want, um, whether they even know it or not. I think that is really what people would like to see. And it's the only thing that really makes sense at this point. I mean, it's it's insane and cruel that we are the richest country in the world, and yet people die every day because they can't get the health care that they need. It's just inexcusable. And um, and I really hope that, yeah, the pendulum does swing back in the other direction and that we do see uh, more calls for... Uh, single payer, because I do think that is the future in this country. Um, and then the other thing that you said that I wanted to, I wanted to just chime in on was the voting rights. Um, th- without a doubt, there's you know an, an ongoing assault on people's right to vote, and that it's a very strategic, cynical but strategic play by by people on the right. They realize yes. that a lot a lot of their policies are very unpopular, and that the only way they're going to continue to win elections is if they limit the number of people that are able to vote and uh and they're really you know setting things in motion to to do that to kick people off the voting rolls and suppress the vote more than they've already done um just yesterday we we had a big event over at the White House uh in response to the new you know so-called um presidential commission on voting or voter integrity totally an Orwellian commission that was created out of Trump's unsubstantiated claim that three to five million people voted illegally, which is totally (laughs) absurd. Yes, there's absolutely no uh, evidence of that at all, but now Mm -hmm. they've they've created this commission and um, they're going to use that as an excuse to to continue to to suppress the vote. Is that crazy or what? That is just crazy. (laughs) I mean, it's like the blue sky initiative that increases your ability to pollute. uh, I know. Besides that, even no good, no good research ever starts out with a pre-drawn conclusion. You know, we're going to prove that there's voter fraud, (laughs) and then we're going to tell you what to do about it. And I mean, the Secretary of State here in Oregon just laughed at them when they asked for you know, information, like, duh, this is my job, not yours. States' rights. You don't get to do this. <laughs> like, hello, you <laughs> want states' rights when you want states' rights, and you forget about them when, you know, you're going to do one of these hoo-ha maneuvers <laughs> that make no sense at all. But i got to tell you, I have to, so I'm sort of, of a split mind on this, or not a split mind. I come from two directions that actually bring me to the same place, but uh, my undergraduate degree is in, human health slash community health. And 
in addition to that, I was a business owner, right? So I um, uh, I had 40 employees in three Western states uh, at the end of my career before I retired. And so I see healthcare both from an individual, um, you know, delivery of care kind of position and as, you know, who's going to pay for that. And one thing I can tell you is that for 50 years, 50 years, the health insurance industry has been on notice from Congress. You know, it was one of the big topics that, that uh, Teddy Kennedy brought to the floor. You know, if you can't do better than this, then we have to do it. And that's when the big shenanigans about, oh, Big Brother's going to run your health care, that started way back in the early 70s, late 60s, right, the brouhaha. You know, and in the end, it was not the government that messed up our access to care. It was health insurance companies themselves. Mm. And so then, right, because they just, if there's a dime on the table, they want it. They're not going to walk away from this without everything. And and so then you turn around, and here I am, the employer. And towards the end of my tenure, it was becoming more and more fashionable for employers not to provide health insurance in their compensation packages. And I was like, wait, wait, if you don't, then who will? You know? Right. And uh, um, I think I think it was GM that was pretty brilliant. Um, I'm trying to think late 90s, early 2000s back there that basically said, hey, listen, as long as healthcare is a cost of doing business for the automotive industry, we cannot be competitive on the global level because all our competitors, all our peers in this market have socialized medicine of one kind or another. Therefore, the cost of doing business does not reflect healthcare, right? And so, okay, I got that argument. You can pay for it as you go, like everybody doing their penny a day or whatever it is. Or you can pay for it as a cost of doing business. But somebody has to pay for it. And the system that we're evolving to now is not only is no one going to pay for it, or actually it's kind of being compressed to the middle class, paying for it for everybody, <laughs> uh, or we'll just not do care. Forget about it. And I see how we got ourselves in this predicament, but I hate it when people say the government did this to me. No. All those guys that have paid lobbyists instead of compensation packages who got their, you know, their two – 200,000% return on their investment or whatever it is for lobbyists and got themselves tax cuts, got themselves tax loopholes, got themselves tax exemptions. So the big money does not pay into the pool. They basically walked backwards out of the village, right? So now they don't pay and yet those employees that they now withhold compensation package health insurance from <laughs> have to find a way to obtain health care. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, you can see the swirl. It's like going down the drain. And I, I promise you, when I was young, and I, in this case, I'm really sympathetic to millennials, because when I was young, people my age very seldom died of illness. They died in accidents. They died of birth defects. They died of, but it's not like there was no illness. People certainly died of illness. But my children have lost more friends because of their inability to be cared for than I ever thought was imaginable. And we're talking, I'm going to be stereotypical here, 
white, upper-class, middle America. I'm serious. I cannot believe that we don't think that there's a problem here. Because if my children, if their friends are dying, everybody's got to have friends whose children are dying. And it's not right. So, oh, my gosh, I did not mean to go off on that one. But, you know, this is the, this is the, your choice of the word gaslighting was perfect. Because, again, if we can get past the drama, the facts are pretty simple. Do you or do you not want a healthy workforce? Do you or do you right. not want a healthy country? You know, a healthy military, a healthy whatever. Are you going to leave it in the hands of these guys that have dozens of people on million, multi-million dollar compensation packages? Or do you want to actually chip in like you're a part of the clan? You know, <laughs> you're one of us. Crazy making. So, Indeed, yeah. No, it really I'll is. tell you what. Yeah. Should we take a little break? Uh, we can play your tune if you like. I, I guess I'm too old. It's hip-hop, yes? you want to say anything about your music before I play it? And then afterwards, we can talk about the role of the arts in the resistance. Great. Sure, yeah. So um, I, you know, have been uh, crafting uh, my art form behind closed doors mostly for a number of years now, uh, which is hip-hop. uh, particularly political hip hop. I've done a lot of writing on and off um, for a while now, um, but I'm in the process of now, you know, getting more public with my with my music and with my art. And this song um, that we're gonna play uh, now is something I recorded recently, uh, and is part of a series. It's about uh, our so-called president and the uh, insane political reality that we're in. It's called Unprecedented. Uh, Folks might remember he tweeted a few months back um, (laughs) spelling unprecedented incorrectly, and it just (laughs) really encapsulates uh, in one word um, the situation that we're in. Uh, So... Yeah, I'm going to turn it into a music video and release it publicly that way, but we'll be playing it, I guess, here. And uh, there's several other tracks that are very similar to it that I'm getting ready to record and uh, and release online as well. So excited to um, well, excellent. Without... start getting that out there. <laughs> well, congratulations, and I'm going to push the blue button, and here we go. Wonderful. Yo, what the hell's wrong with the 45th president? Something's not right if this country elected him. But that's the thing, Donald Trump really didn't win. He got in because of Russian intervention. It begins, this modern drama that we're in. Feel the sting, this shit is really happening. It's going down, seems more crazy every day. A rigged election, now the whole world has some hell to pay. You don't say, yo, this is playing out. Cabinet full of oligarchs and people who don't care about the very thing that the agents you're supposed to do You think the EPA is meant to be a corporate tool No, but I can tell you that Scott Brewer does He's been made the boss of this So fossil fuels can ruin us Oh, and 
Speaking of some oil, yo, State Department's being run by ExxonMobil CEO. No joke, it's like we're living in the twilight zone. So wrong, but Mr. Putin's feeling right at home. You know, this administration's got to go, so let's elect some Democrats by really turning out to vote. Whoa. Because Trump is an embarrassment, a national catastrophe, some very, very scary shit. I mean, the dude is pathological, so loose with the truth that it's practically impossible to cover him now. Everybody's asking how to hold him accountable and finally rat him out because the media seems to be in disbelief and uh, we really need to treat the fact that he's deceiving us in so many ways. A weather lot so thick that you get lost in it for days. The truth is so elusive because it's hiding in a haze, but it's right around the corner and we'll find it in this maze, man. Yo, Donald Trump is going down, just wait until we finally find the facts and run him out of town. This dude is a disgrace, decades of discriminating based on sex and race, this guy's gotta go. Simply unacceptable, and until recently, he seemed completely unelectable, but damn, what do you know? He really didn't win, yo, he lost the popular vote, electoral college gave it to him, no. So goes the ways of this nation, rules written in the days of slaves on plantations, it's insane. That things are this way But we work for truth and justice each and every day It's amazing the power of the people It's real When the power of the people is the feeling you feel You can feel the potential of what's possible now If we set our minds to it And just figure out how To make America great Not again but alas The promised land Regardless of race, gender, or class Because we're better together And that's the fact And there's been progress in this country And we're not going back And that's that No matter what Donald Trump does Cause tune enough We'll be saying how that Donald Trump was history of our 45th Commander-in-Chief, widely known as a narcissistic slandering thief. Goddamn, Donald Trump is nothing but whiny. The man is so self-conscious he can't stand his entertaining. He's obsessed with his image, and when it comes to criticism, he gets aggressively livid and can't admit it. Truly a misogynist dude, objectifies his own daughter and takes pride in it too. Not to mention, he doesn't mind assault now, does he? Brags about meeting women and grabbing them by their pussy. How could he? I mean, how could we vote for this monster over HRC or Bernie? Forget it. No need to go there again. Just got to keep on focusing on how it can win and beat him and every single thing he stands for. We've had enough division. We don't need any more for sure. Just got to get a supporter to see if they voted for a con artist literally. Indeed, the guy's got nothing to show. He's so full of shit that we're hitting the low in this nation. Tough times in the USA. But we're are brave people and resourceful in ways to make change and now is when we need it the most a real revolution from east to west coast and hope that the people in the middle can see that donald trump ain't the one to lead the land of the free so let's make sure we win in 2020 oh and coming right up we've got 2018 excellent (laughs) (laughs) thank you I appreciate that. Hey, were you yeah, dancing? For, uh, I was dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was nodding my head a little bit. Yeah, no, it's cool to hear it. And uh, I'm excited to to put together this uh, video for it. Currently, um, talking to some people about partnering with them to, to do it, but still somewhat in the early stages. So if anybody has any ideas or wants to help me put together a music video, <laughs> feel free to reach out. I'd love to talk to you about it. Excellent, excellent. So you can, uh, how would people reach you if they had an idea? Uh, so 
they could email me or, or they could find me on Facebook. Um, you know, just my full name. You can search me on Facebook, uh, Rio Taswell, R-I-O-T-A-Z-E-W-E-L-L. And, uh, and then my, my personal email address is just, uh, that, uh, Rio Taswell at gmail.com. But, um, Facebook might be easier, but either way, I'd be, yeah, yeah. I'd be very happy to hear from folks, yeah. Yeah. Well, it won't get lost in the gazillion of emails that we get every day. But, yeah, I mean, you just never know. Conversations that generate conversations sometimes have something happening. And I think um, I really did want to just touch on the notion of the importance of the arts in anything, Uh, but certainly in the resistance. I think um, your – your song is a beautiful example, and then taking it to video is a great example of how it is we not only want to express ourselves to other people, but we want to legitimize expression itself for itself. And so, um, you know, I certainly don't have to agree with uh, something to appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? It's like I don't, I don't tear apart a meme or a piece of uh, a drawing or a song the way I might uh, a conversation like you and I are having today. I don't know what it is, but right. do you feel like you have a, a, a voice that's easier to accept when you sing instead of stand at the podium, for example? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, to me, music is just another medium for communicating a message and uh I think it has its advantages in that it is an art form and people perceive it differently uh than, you know, someone just giving a speech. So I, I do feel like, you know, packaging a message um in the form of a song can um help disarm uh people's barriers that they maybe erect in their minds when they're hearing something that they maybe don't agree with. Um, simply just because they appreciate, you know, the aesthetics of the art, you know, if that's a song, then they just like the rhythm or the tempo or whatever, the timing, the cadence. Um, so I, I, yeah, I do see, I do see music as as a really powerful way to, to communicate. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's something that, um, you know, I've I've certainly had a, a strong interest in for a very long time, but just really haven't taken the uh, the time and initiative to to fully kind of cultivate that. But um, and realizing that you know it, it it really is a big part of my identity and it's a big part of what I want to do. So I'm uh, yeah taking steps to to try to incorporate that into um into my work which is politics um and and politics at the end of the day is also a form of communication of sorts it's an expression of our at its best it's an, ex, an expression of our ideals and um and there's a real synthesis there for me at least in terms of politics and art oh yeah yeah and, for um, sure and yeah. one of the places uh i really experienced the glory if you will, of expression through art was at the Women's March in D.C. in January. 
I mean, the signs were incredible. And some of them, you know, are just a piece of paper and a felt tip pen and say, I don't like this, <laughs> you know. And right. the others right. were, so, were so much more. But, but they were all great. You know, uh, a little kid was carrying a, a sign that said, I deserve better. And it's like, oh, you know, this little six-year-old. And so there's this whole context uh, when you get to experience it that way. I mean, um, my favorite sign, though, the, the winner, although there were um, innumerable brilliant signs, maybe you have a favorite, too. My favorite was, you're so vain, you probably think this sign is about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, the creativity was amazing there. I mean, really, at all the big rallies that I've seen here recently, um, the signage was just hilarious and, and so clever. But, yeah, certainly the Women's March was, was no exception. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And I was at the um, Rally to Restore Sanity. Was that in 2010? I think it was. Oh, and yeah. um, the John Stewart the Stuart Colbert rally, and um, one of the amazing things is people who had signs that said, hundreds of signs, no misspelled words. <laughs> <It was>, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I, uh, and I do, I really do appreciate when people sit down with their crayons or their felt tip pens and express themselves, and uh, you realize that this isn't about making a Rembrandt. This is about being known. So if you want to be known, you get to have your say on that cardboard box, or if you uh, you get to have your say in your hip hop song, or um, you know there are blogs and memes and um, you know poets. I'm you know their entire what do they call them? I'm so old. The slams, poets, poetry slams, or po- mm-hmm. you know, yeah, where they, it's all about politics. Yeah, and I've I've been to some of these things, and I am so moved because by the by the end, I feel like I know these people. I know where they're coming from, and it's not just this is my position. It's really this is who I am, and 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 this position is a part of that mosaic that is me, and That's and right. I think it's much right. easier then. Yeah, it's so much easier then for me to sort of appreciate or uh, hone the muscle of appreciating differences because I can see them, I can feel them, I can relate to them. So I, I've always, um, I had to make a choice when I was young. Am I going to art school or am I going to, you know, go do something where I can make a living? <laughs> and in the 60s, it was all about making a living. <laughs> but you know, those skills come back or they, it, we cultivate them in our children, we cultivate them in our society and I I love it so I'm so appreciative and if there's uh, you know, I can certainly help spread your video when you have it, that's that's my little contribution, but That's wonderful, um, Janine, yeah, I appreciate that Yeah, oh yeah and plus, you know, you have your own networks as well Um Coffee Party has been a friend of People for the American Way for a long time. Well, since our inception. And I was back in D.C. for one of the events for uh, the Citizens United <laughs> birthday a few years ago. And um, I think organizations like yours are hugely important 
for the outreach that you do, for the effort that you put into um, touching the many, many sub subgroups within any group. You know, I'm not saying that right. What what do you call that? It's like we are such a diverse nation. Yeah. Uh, and one thing I appreciate about people for the American way is that you reach out and touch so many of those distinctions, those communities. That's the word I'm looking for. And uh, I think that's tremendous. Um, so I wouldn't be doing my job as a radio show host if I didn't give you an opportunity to tell people about your group, uh, how to locate you, how to participate, how to be a contributor, or how to... <laughs> So I don't know if you have your little elevator speech for um, your group, but uh, I'll, I'll let you say whatever you'd like to say. Great. Yeah, no, sure. Thanks. I've got just another minute. I've actually got to jump into a meeting, um, so I, I don't okay. have very long, but I, I would love to um, yeah, just tell folks just a little bit about what People for the American Way does. I mean, we um, – we work on issues of social and political equality, a very broad spectrum of, of issues, whether it's um, you know, racial justice or gender just, justice, uh, reproductive freedom, LGBT rights, um, immigrant rights, uh, voting rights. Um, I manage our money and politics work here, which, uh, which we started doing uh, immediately after the 2010 Citizens United decision. Um, we also, you know, work to respond to and push back against hate speech from the right wing on, on any number of fronts, just kind of calling out extremist right wing rhetoric um, and, uh, and being a counterbalance to that. And uh, you can find out about all of our work and all of our different departments and different campaigns uh, at our website, uh, which is pfaw.org. And you can sign up to become a member there get our newsletters you can donate if you'd like to uh and yeah you can read about all of the things that we're doing because um you know like like you said we we do work with a lot of different communities on a lot of different issues and we're a very uh intersectional um organization and uh, we've been doing it for a while we were founded in in the early 80s by um television legend norman lear who has, you know, quite a, a long history of, of progressive activism, and uh, and we're keeping uh, that alive very much so in the work that we do every day, and uh, we do um, a great deal of collaborative organizing with other organizations. We're part of, you know, lots of coalitions. We we love working with the Coffee Party, um, and yeah, look forward to continued collaboration. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Rio. Um, have a great next meeting. We appreciated our time with you today. Absolutely. Thank you, Janine. Yeah, we're actually going to go and talk about um, demanding that Jeff Sessions resign. We're actually uh, yeah, planning some, <laughs> some uh, events around that. So never a dull moment. Yeah, but yeah. I look forward to uh, keeping in touch, and, and thank you for having me on the show today. You're very welcome. Bye-bye, Rio. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that was amazing, Rio Taswell from People for the American Way. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, my time with him as I have before. I, I love his music, and um, maybe we'll have a chance to be uh, one of the initial broadcasters of his video when it comes out. So today, like every other day, I want to close my broadcast with what I call the Coffee Party Telethon moment. Coffee Party USA is a totally 
you, 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 me, you funded organization. Our members and supporters are it. Citizens United has not benefited us. We have no sugar daddy behind the curtain. It's just us, you, and me. If you'd like to become a member, go to www.coffeepartyusa.com and click on the big red Become a Member Today button. You cannot miss it. You can choose to be an annual member, a monthly sustainer, or a one-time donor. So, thanks for joining me on Lunch with Loudon. And Coffee Party on.